If you were with us last Sunday, then you are aware that I'm interrupting our Gospel of John series just to take a a short little series this December to look at the characters of Christmas. Last Sunday morning, we hit the story of Mary. Last Sunday evening, the story of Joseph. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we'll look at the angels and the shepherds. So I'll give you a moment to take a look at that passage with me. In 1971, a man by the name of Ray Tomlinson was working on his computer with the goal of trying to send a message from his computer to another. And he was successful. And Mr. Tomlinson sent the first electronic message, what we refer to as an email. Today, over a billion emails are sent out every day. And some of them are truthful. And some of them get hacked. And um, fortunately for me this past week, uh, my email account was hacked. And if you received an email from me asking for some Apple cards, uh, that was not for me. And I am sorry that that happened. We have done our best to change all the passwords necessary uh, that that wouldn't happen again. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't, but we're going to do our best. But I want you to look at a source that has never been hacked, and that is the very words of God that have been preserved for us for all these years. I think before we begin and looking at Luke 2, beginning in verse 8, I want to again just set the, the mood here of what it was like during this first Christmas. If it were possible and it were dark outside, I'd say bring the lights down because it was some dark times. There were 400 years of silence where God had not spoken through an angel or through the prophets to his people. At this time, the Romans were in control, and with that was all sorts of immorality. Prostitution run rampant. In addition to that, there was corruption within the government where you never knew what you were going to be taxed for. Sexual immorality was the norm. And then there was idolatry. That is, that there were all sorts of different gods being worshipped. And the religion of God's people that day had been reduced to rules that you would either obey or try to stay away from. And there seemed to be no hope there for God's people. And there's not much of a change as we look around our day. There's some darkness that has set in as well. And a lot of the same things that the people experienced back then, there's nothing new under the sun we are experiencing today. There's wars, war in Ukraine versus the Russians. And I I read an article this week in the NPR that said there's over 50,000 war crimes, alleged war crimes that are being levied against the Russians. In China, there is this crackdown on COVID and where there's these demonstrations. And the people of China never know if they're going to get the news that they need to hear that are truth because it's all censored. And things are much different here in America. In the Gallup poll in October, 7% of Americans said they have a great deal of trust in the media. And we're seeing this eroding and declining in 
redefining of words that we once for thousands of years knew what they meant, but now that they are changing. When President Bill Clinton was in office, he was instrumental in passing something called the Defense of Marriage Act. And everyone knew what he meant by the word marriage. It was what the Bible referred to as marriage between a husband and wife. And this act went on to prohibit the federal government from ever observing what is called same-sex marriage. But in previous weeks, the Senate has passed something called the Respect Marriage Act, and even this week, the House of Representatives has. And the word marriage means something completely different. Here it means what is called same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage. And what our politicians and leaders celebrate and slap one another's backs over, the Word of God calls unnatural and an abomination. And there is confusion. A confusion over gender. What used to be God's design is I'm either a male or a female. There is this confusion that is spread all around our land where you go to a public place and there's really no longer a men's bathroom and a woman's bathroom. There are gender-neutral bathrooms. This past week, I was ordering airline tickets from Delta to send a team to Senegal to be able to share the gospel. And what used to be a simple drop-down menu, male or female, has an assortment of options now. And there is crime. This week in Milwaukee, a 44-year-old postal worker that was just delivering mail was gunned down and killed. There is this homelessness that we are seeing more and more here in our community. Unless you think that's just simply a, a, a person unwillingness to work, well, then you don't understand mental illness or the grip of drug addiction. There's inflation that, that purchasing gifts and, and the trinkets of Christmas are a lot more expensive this year than they ever have been. And the list goes on and on. Broken marriage, declining health, despair is in the air. And the question is posed, is there any good news? And there is good news. And that is the focus of our passage today. Do you know within the church, there has been a great debate over the centuries, should the church observe Christmas? I mean, let's be fair. In the New Testament, there is no record of the early church saying, hey, let's go back and celebrate Jesus' birth, let alone putting lights on a tree and exchanging gifts. I kind of land on this. I'm reminded of an old story of a pioneer that was traveling west. And one day as he was going west, he reached the state of Arizona. And as he was Crossing that state, he came across the Great Canyon. And when he looked at that canyon that was 18 miles across and a mile down, he said to himself, something had to happen here. And when people go around Christmas in this season and they see the nativity in people's yards and they hear songs like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Joy to the World or O Holy Night, They're asking themselves and they're saying to themselves, well, something, something had to happen here. Well, may we, 
equipped with the Word of God, be able to answer what that something is and be able to share the good news that this season presents to us. So now let's look at our passage. Let's look here at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And here's the first thing that I think we're going to see as we work through this. The good news comes to the working man. Verse 8 says, now Jesus has been born. We see that in verse 7 and verse 8. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When we look here at this passage, we see that there are men that are out working. They are out in this field, this region, tending to their flocks. Earlier this week, I was taking a load of some stuff from one location to the next, and I was fumbling around on my radio dial, and I was searching for some Christmas music, and I came across the country station, and there was a song being played about a working man's Ph.D., and it focused on the, on the, the value of providing and doing a, a great job. Well, that sort of country song might have been played for the shepherds in the field that night. As they were out working, they were not sleeping, as the Scripture says in verse 8, they were keeping watch over their flocks. What do we know about shepherds? What do we know about shepherds during the first century? If we look through the Scriptures, it seems to me like the shepherd is the first occupation mentioned in Genesis 4, verse 2. If we just think through this a bit, they likely were very practical people, not easily fooled. Now, there's some old Jewish resources called the Midrash that tell us that they were not favorably seen. In fact, this source says that if you were to look at all the people, the classes of people during the first century, that the shepherds rank only higher than one other class, and that was the lepers. They were known for their dishonesty. They were not even permitted to give a testimony in a court of law. Because of their close proximity to the dirty sheep, sheep that sometimes died, they were deemed unclean and not allowed in the temple. Nor were they permitted in the palace. But yet we see them out in the fields working. And we read to the scriptures, there are times where God comes to the working man, to the working woman, and he invites them into his work. There was a time where Moses, a shepherd, was working in the fields, and, and then he saw a burning bush, and he heard the very voice of God. There was a man named Gideon, who was just threshing wheat. He was a part of the wheat harvest. And as he was doing that, an angel of the Lord visited him. And invited him into his work. There was a man named Elisha that was farming, plowing a field. When one came to him and anointed him to be the next successor of Elijah. And even here in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 1, we covered this briefly last week. Where there was a man in the ministry named Zechariah that was just performing his task that he was asked to do to offer up incense. And while this working man was working, he was visited by a messenger of 
God. You see, God pursues the ordinary. He comes to those, even like the shepherds that are working the third shift, and speaks truth and invites them to himself. But before the good news is shared, there is fear experienced. Look what it says there in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. This concept now, the glory of the Lord, appears throughout the Scriptures. Whenever this glory of the Lord is manifested, it drives man and woman to be afraid. Why? Because God is holy, and man is sinful. And there is this great gap. Now, what was this glory of the Lord like there in verse 9? Was it a bright light? Well, the word there in verse 9 is the word shone, which seems to indicate that it could have been a bright light, similar to what Paul experienced when on his road to Damascus, and it shone around him. That's what it says there in verse 9. But what we certainly will know is that these angels might have had their darkness interrupted. But when we see in the Scriptures that whenever God's presence is made known, that man shrinks back because he is aware of his own sin. There is this holy God, and there is this sinful man. When Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, caught a glimpse of who God was, he said to himself, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then there was Peter one day. He went out fishing, didn't catch anything. And Jesus told him, Put out in the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And he did. And he caught all sorts of fish. And when he came up to Jesus, he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful Man, before there is this good news, there is this fear that God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. He is good. And man is not like that at all. He is sinful. And there's this magnificent gap between man and God. And man has done his best to try to bridge that gap by trying to become good by highlighting those things, by by maybe even coming to church or maybe even trying to get baptized. But none of those things are able to bridge this gap between man's sinfulness and God's holiness. So this leads us to the second point here in this passage, and that is the good news is shared with excitement. Look what it says there in verse 10. And the angel said to them, that's the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So here is the message that is sent to them. You don't need to fear. You don't need to fear the gap between your sinfulness and God's holiness anymore. Because I've got good news. The language here is, I am evangelizing you right now, shepherds. I am sharing this good news that will lead to great joy. And it's not just for the elite, but it's for all the people. 
And it says to them, born on this day, we don't have to wait anymore. The silence is gone. It's over. In the city of David, in Bethlehem, there are three different titles given to this baby in verse 11. The first is the word Savior. This one has come to take the gap that there is between the holy God and the sinful man. And he is making a way for you to have a relationship with him. Because you could not go to him. God is sending his son to come down to you. And this son is not only born, but he will give his life as a sacrifice that you will have it made possible that you could enter into a relationship with him. Therefore, that's good news. And that is of great joy. He will be your Savior. And to mix metaphors a little bit here, we're we're not talking here about one that will come. And to use the metaphor of drowning in water, the idea here is not one that will come and instruct you on how to swim better. That will equip you, to give you strength, that if you are plopped down in the middle of the sea, he will show you how you can swim to the shallow water. That is not at all what is being meant here. Rather, the picture here is, is you are submersed and you are powerless to get yourself out of your own sin. And unless there was an intervention, unless one that would reach down and take you right where you are at before you drown to death, that is your only hope. That's the word picture that's provided here, that this Savior is born. He's not only the Savior. As it says here, he is Christ. This word Christ, it means anointed. Throughout the scriptures, we see that God would anoint someone to be able to carry out a task. And in the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies of this child that would be born. He is anointed. He is set aside to carry out this task to rescue man and women from their sins. And you also see the third title in verse 11. He is the Lord. He is supreme. He is not one that will only save you from your sins, but then you are to live for him all of your days. In verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. You see, there'll be all sorts of babies wrapped in swaddling claws during this day but only one that would be lying in a manger, and that is the sign you are looking for. And suddenly, there was with the angel, verse 13, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There is this principle that laid out in the Gospels, and here it is. When we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. When we look at verse 7 of this passage, we could not see a more humbling picture. As she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus left the form of God to come down to take the form of a man 
Not only that, there was no place for him to be born. Not only that, he was plopped down in a manger of all the humiliation. Could you imagine it being any worse? But now we're seeing the contrast of his humiliation and now being exalted. Where now you are having these angels that have never sinned acquire these angels, according to 1 Peter 1, 12, wanted to look into what it would have been like to be able to receive the gospel. They are only able to communicate it. They could never experience it for themselves. But now they are singing this great anthem of glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. There is the depths of humiliation. And there is the height of God exalting this child. And he promises peace. Your president or your emperor or your king may have some leverage to provide a truce that would prevent you from going to war as a nation. But that president, that emperor or king could do nothing to provide peace between your sinfulness And the holiness of God, only God can do that. And only God can provide peace in the midst of your circumstances today. Maybe loss, maybe the confusion, maybe sorrow that you are experiencing. Only God can grant you this this wonderful peace. So there's this good news that is shared with excitement. True peace is not the absence of war, but the presence of God. Let's look then thirdly the shepherds heard, believed, and shared the good news. Look what it says in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. When you look here at the context, the angels said nothing to the shepherds about taking this good news and sharing it with others. But the shepherds could not sit on this good news. Good news is not meant to be kept silent. It is meant to be shared with others. And so it says there, let us go there in verse 15. In verse 16 it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. And this is the first recorded event in history of the Christmas rush. Let us go with haste. And they found the baby. Lying in a manger. Remember, that was the sign. Verse 16. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that he had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
it is an astounding thought that it was the shepherds. In fact, let me do this. Maybe this is more for our kids to see if you are listening. Let me just pause this little message and do a little quiz. Kids or young people, here's the, here's the question. In the New Testament, who was the first people to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and share the gospel? If you know it, raise your hand and you'd blurt it out. Who's the first to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and share the gospel? Anyone? Moses? Okay, I see why you would say that. But here's the clue. It's who we're talking about this morning. Who said that? The shepherds? All right, here. Just for listening, so good. Oh! (laughs) Sorry. If you can make sure that gets back there, that would be great. I was hoping that someone would answer more towards the front. (laughs) So we don't have to throw a frisbee back there. Okay. (laughs) Now you're listening. (laughs) Here's the point I want you to see in this passage. Here's the reality, loved ones. Christmas is going to come and go in a few weeks. The trees are going to come down. The lights are going to get put away. The stockings or whatever you do to remember Christmas. But I think this passage provides for us a few different ways to allow the joy of Christmas to last all year round. So there is a joy that not only comes in receiving and believing in the gospel, but look what it says again in verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told them. There was also a joy that was experienced in sharing the good news. I've never regretted sharing the gospel. There is a common experience that I have, whether in handing out a gospel track, sharing my testimony, or entering into a conversation where I get the share of God's holiness, man's sinfulness, how Jesus died in their place, and calling someone to repentance and faith. There is a joy that comes over me. And I just wonder this morning about you. How is your level of joy? And if it's not what it ought to be, could it be because there's been an absence is that you have not been sharing the good news? Because there's a joy that comes in not only receiving the good news, but also sharing the good news. And then finally, let's just look at this last part. Mary takes time to ponder the good news. Verse 19 says, now when she heard that message, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds came, and they said, you're not going to believe this, but while we were out in the field, an angel visited us and told us about this baby. What do you think Mary and Joseph said? We're going to believe you, because we had the same experience. Now, there's no evidence here that suggests that Mary told their story or Joseph told his story, but i got to believe that took place. 
And I got to believe that when God's people get together and just begin to share what God's been doing in their life, that there's a building up and an encouragement that takes place there. But what Mary does with this message is she ponders it. The Greek word here means to contemplate, bring together, throw together, compare, weigh the facts. Here's a second way if you want to keep the joy of Christmas beyond this December. Not only to share that good news, but ponder this good news as well. Reflect on God's glory. Reflect on how God is different than us. His attributes of being good and holy and just. Reflect on your own sinfulness and the wretchedness of your sin. And how as a result of that, you stand condemned guilty before God. Consider the magnificence of Jesus' love as he went to the gruesome cross on your behalf, was laid in a tomb, was raised to life three days later. And the grace that was given to you, so amazing that you would believe and repent of your sins. Despite all the gloom and darkness from the first century and even today, there is this good news that has been presented for us to you to hear and for you to share. I was reminded in December of 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers were successful in finally getting their flying machine off the ground. Thrilled, they telegraphed their message to their sister Catherine. Quote, We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. End quote. Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper and showed him the message. He glanced at it and said, How nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. He had totally missed the big news. The main news, that man had flown. And may that not happen to you. May it not happen to us. Among all the lights, among all the potential distractions, may we get the good news. So let me leave this message with three questions for you. Here's the first. Now that you have heard the good news, will you believe in Jesus alone to save you? To take you back to that diagram, there is God's holiness, there is man's sinfulness, there is your sinfulness, and there is nothing that you can do to enter into a relationship with this holy God. So Jesus was sent on your behalf. This baby would die on the cross for your sins. Now that you've heard this, would you receive it? Would you place all your trust on what Jesus has done for you And repent of your sins and say, I want you to be Lord of all areas of my life. Do that today. And then secondly, if you have believed the good news, do you possess the same excitement to share it with others? I'm just telling you, these angels could not wait to share this good news, nor could the shepherds. And I'm challenged this week as I've studied this passage to say I desire the same joy that the angels and the shepherds have 
And that joy is not only experienced in receiving this good news, but sharing this good news. I wonder this morning, I know a lot of us are out, a lot of us are sick, not, maybe we're not, everyone's here today. But what about you? What about you? Would you this week say, you know what I'm going to do? If I don't do anything else this week, I'm going to make sure I take that gospel track that they're giving out at church. It's all in the Welcome Center. Or another gospel track. Or I'm going to make sure that I share my testimony with someone this week. Or I'm going to, you know what? I put it off long enough. God's put a person on my heart to share the gospel with. Today I'm going to do it. This week I'm going to do it. That's where I'm going. That's my application for this message. Would you join me in that application? To say, I want to share this good news. Now's the time to do it. It's, it's a great season for us to do that. And then thirdly, will you take time this season to ponder the wonder of God's glory, your wretched sin, Jesus' death and resurrection, and the gift of, supposed to be, grace. And I need grace, because <laughs> I don't spell everything right. The gift of grace to believe and repent. If you want the joy to linger beyond the Christmas season, never get over this good news. Reflect on it. Loved ones, these are dark times. But we have the light of the truth. These shepherds were acquainted with sheep. And this baby that would be born would be identified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When the good news came to them, they stopped everything and left all their sheep went in pursuit of the Lamb of God who could take away the sin of the world. Is there anything that's holding you back to pursuing Him? Would you pray with me as the music team comes? What great news we have. What joy that is available to us to know that our sins are forgiven and that this is the message that needs to be shared in our day. Father, would you thank you for this message? This is not a nursery rhyme. This is not a, and once upon a time. This is a historical fact. This is an event that took place. It is people look around in our, our city and our county. There are some that are saying, well, something had to happen. Thank you for the privilege that we can go out and, and share that good news with others. And maybe this morning, it's, it's kind of come together for you now. You understand what this is all about. That he came with a purpose. He came to save you from drowning in your sin. He's going to rescue you if you'll let him. Right where you're at today, would you call out to him? to be saved. Say, I need to be saved from my sins. You give me the grace, I'll grab a hold of it.
I want to follow you all my days. This season and every season that follows during Christmas time will mean more to you as a result because you'll understand why Jesus came. And then I want to just speak a word to my family this morning here in attendance. Say a word to you, church family that are viewing online or listening. Would you join me and just say, this week, I want to I I share in that joy. I'm going to be on mission this week. Like the angels, like the shepherds, I want to share some of that joy as that gospel goes through me and on to someone else. Lord, if you will give me an opportunity this week and give me the grace, I will seize it. Oh, Lord, would you, would you do that great work this week? And may we never just say, oh, that's, that's a good message. That happened to me a long ago. But like Mary, may we ponder these things in our heart. May we never get over this good news carrying it with us through the dark days and the good days and just eager to pass it on to others. We thank you for meeting with us now in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.